Wednesday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Wolf, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there are not a lot of... Uh, Times when Chris Paul sets a career high, a new career high at this yeah. point in his career. Right. He did last night with seven made threes. Seven made threes. Seven what is happening? Yes. From beyond the arc for Chris Paul. Chris Paul, the catch and shoot three point guy <laughs> that we never knew he was for the first 15 years of his career. Plus, uh, there's a good story up on ArizonaSports.com looking at this, but. Um, I said this with, with uh, when Kevin Ray joined us in the first hour of the show. This might be the biggest development. I don't even think might be. I think it is for the Suns right now. You know, getting Kevin Durant in the lineup and, and you know seeing what he can do—that's great. But that's kind of a a known commodity, right? If he's healthy, you're one of the most dangerous teams in basketball. If he's not, then you know we saw that too, and it wasn't it wasn't ideal. The Chris Paul thing. I remember you and I having this discussion, and I remember you asking everybody that came on the show. Who is Kevin Durant going to help the most? We might have an answer because Chris Paul now is a is a scorer. Yeah, boy, that is a great observation right there. It really is. Um, Chris Paul was so good last night. <laughs> Can I just say that he was so good? Was he not based on earnings? They don't win that game without Chris Paul last night. In a gross simplification of the truth, intentionally so, but they don't win that game. Without Chris Paul going out there and making the shots that he made. It's true. Seven threes, of course, as we said. Seven of 12 from beyond the arc. Scored 25 points. Teams are, they're going to double off CP3. We know that. They're going to double off CP3. He's going to get his opportunities to take some shots. In his last two games, both wins. He has 47 points, shooting about 62% from the field, and five assists. I don't know which of those stats is the most mind-blowing. Honestly, the 47 points is probably the least surprising because we have seen him score before. Yeah. But the hitting 11 threes, 11 of 18 from three in the last two games is huge. But the five assists, because he's just he's just taking the shots. I mean, we played the audio a couple days ago. Monty Williams, I want him to shoot more. Devin Booker, we're always on him to be more aggressive and shoot yes. more. Chris Paul, I guess I need to shoot more. Yes. Well, this is what's happening when he shoots more. And it's not... It's not, hey, they beat San Antonio and they beat Denver without any of their starters. It's, it's not that. It's, is this something that the Suns can now lean to as a third option right. in the playoffs? You see, and that's why I thought this was one of the most important trends going forward. I love what you said right there. Oh, well, I think we know who KD helped the most. Sure seems like it now. I mean, it does. He's getting a lot of open looks, of course. He's doing a great job shooting the three, the catch and shoot three, of course, something that Keller uh, Killer has been talking about, as a matter of fact. Kellen Olson. (laughs) Interesting. Killer. I said Keller. Did you pick up on that? I was like, Clayton Keller? (laughs) (laughs) It's very interesting right there when you mix a nickname, of course. But to me, this is something that has got to happen. And we've been talking about it and hoping that this would happen. And now we're seeing it right now. Chris Paul, can he carry this over into the postseason? The answer is yes. Here's some. Uh, here's Chris Paul after the game talking about the career high in threes. I should have made more. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, 
just trying to take them shots, you know, and that's why these games are important. It's a new way. Uh, like I said, I ain't never really played with guys that's getting doubled like this. So um, I think it's not just wait to the playoffs and, you know, find that rhythm. You know, you need to use these games to, to do that. This is 18th season. And he's playing a, a different version of basketball, which, by the way, is working. Yes. Yes. You know, I, we were talking about it last year, of course, the positionless NBA. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you better be able to shoot the three from wherever you are. Line up on the perimeter and shoot the three, especially now when you've got you've got Devin Booker and you've got Kevin Durant. You've got these great wing players. You've got these great players, period, that are going to be doubled. Yeah, Chris Paul's going to get the opportunity to go out there and light it up. And if he makes those threes consistently the way that we've seen him, he doesn't have to go 7 of 12. doesn't have to. But if he continues to make those catch-and-shoot threes consistently. 40 41%. Can you imagine the impact that'll have on the Phoenix Suns running through the postseason? It, it, it changes everything because you're already... You're, it's already scary to think of a team that has Kevin Durant and Devin Booker as their top two scoring options. Nobody else really has anything quite like that. If a third scoring option emerges... Chris Paul doesn't have to give you 25 points every night. He doesn't have to get seven threes. But if he can give you 15, if he's a threat to go, like any game, any game where he gives you 25, it's just a win, right? I mean, for the most part, it's just a win as long as everybody's healthy. So now you have this third option emerging. This is Chris Paul on the timeout with uh, Taylor Rooks. KD, one of the best players to ever play. You know, and I done played a lot of basketball with a lot of great players, you know, but, you know, he's different. People go their whole careers and never get an opportunity to play with, with guys like this. We got to learn on the fly. We got to figure it out as we play. It's not going to be easy, right? But I'd rather do it with this team than anybody else. I just the perspective that that kind of resets everything into when you have Chris Paul talking about a teammate almost like he looks up to him. Like, who does Chris Paul look up to? But that's how good Kevin Durant is and has been. And you can see it. We're not even talking about what KD did on the court last night. We're talking about what his presence does to unlock a Hall of Famer. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that one. Um, by the way, Kevin Durant, how many points did he score last night? Ask yourself that, ladies and gentlemen. More than how Devin. Many? 29. Yeah. How many points did I say he was going to score? Do you remember 28. This? 28. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, 28. Well, How no, about not, that? Not exactly it was right. Not, You're off by one. Oh, the Kevin or Devin game that we played, of course. How, how did that... Does, did, did anyone write that down? I believe how did command that and control work, did, as a matter of The fact. problem is command and control were the two that were wrong, and you and I were right. Uh, so I don't know what they wrote down back there, to be I honest. See, that's right. It was command and control versus show host. Yeah. Yes. And we're going to play it again today. Okay, good. Well, we were right on that. We were. We need an update on that. We need some type of update sounder on the Kevin or Devin. I can just tell you I'm first. On the Wolf and Does that help? Well, we have that. That Sounder's coming okay, up in a little what, bit. We're what are you now? Six and one? Is six that what one. it is? I'm, yeah. I'm actually above 500 you right are. now. Look at that. Chasing Luke. In a game that should just be 50-50, you are now starting to emerge into that upper <laughs> echelon where you're defying the odds. <laughs> and loving it. Yeah, I'm sure you are. You didn't need the BPI Emerging for just as the Phoenix Suns appear to be emerging right now. 8-0 and oh with Kevin Durant in the lineup. It's, it's scary if Chris Paul can do this. And we'll get back into this more uh, throughout the show. But this is, <laughs> you saw like last year in the playoffs, they needed Chris Paul to do so much against New Orleans. He seemed burned out by the Dallas series, or at least by midway through. And now it's like, okay, they don't need as much from Chris Paul. 
but now he can do more too. Yeah. And that's that's where this team gets scary. We haven't even mentioned DeAndre Ayton. And once again, they're gonna double off CP three. They're gonna. He's gonna get that opportunity. It's gonna be there that. every it's game. Be there. Pick your poison because KD or D book or both, of course. And and think about that for just a second. If if Chris Paul continues to shoot like this, and teams are like, you know what, we we gotta, you know, we, we can't we can't focus so much on Kevin Durant or Devin Booker, then it's going to be even worse if one of those guys is the guy you're leaving open. All right, uh, when we come back, just how complicated would a DeAndre Hopkins trade potentially be? Former Cardinals GM Steve Kime weighed in on this. You're going to hear what he had to say next. It might give some insight as to why this hasn't happened yet. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, breaking news. All right, Aaron, what do you have? So according to Sham Sharania, no Kevin Durant versus LeBron James expected tonight. So with the four seed clinched and priority on postseason health, the Suns are planning on sitting their four core stars, Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton versus the Lakers on second night of back-to-back. Okay. All right, so everybody's fine, though. There's not, like, yes. an injury. because No injury, rest. but they're resting them. Okay. Okay. Okay, you know, I honestly wanted to see them go ahead and actually finish the season, finish strong, just manage the minutes of KD, D-Book, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, of course. I wanted to see that, but I'm okay. I'm not going to scream and throw my hands up into the air because this is what they're doing. They know how to get these guys ready. How, How upset are you that this, so far, is exactly what I said I would do yesterday before the game? Play them last night? Sit them tonight, play them Sunday. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to play them Sunday. Yeah, no, I think they're probably going to sit them down. Really? For the last We're, we're not going to see these guys again until the playoffs? Yeah, think about it. The Lakers and the Clippers. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sit them down. You sit in that chair and be quiet. <laughs> so what was... Uh was the last time we saw Kevin Durant play against LeBron James? Christmas of 2018? 2018! All right. That's still, that just blows my mind. It's unbelievable. Uh, Wow! That is is truly amazing right there. Okay, so you're not going to do it. Yeah, you know what? You might actually see these guys in the postseason. Right? Might actually see him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You could see him still, I guess, in the first round. We'll, we'll stay here. We'll flip it to, we'll do football next segment just because it's going to be weird to go back and forth since yes. this is actually what our topic was going to be at 1130 anyway. And the Suns decided to alter our show sheet by uh, by having that announced. Or I guess Shams did. We really should run our show sheets by Shams ahead of time so we can time this out perfectly. But uh, I guess that answers the question of what's at stake in this game tonight. I guess it also answers the question of... Um, playing Kevin or Devin because uh, yeah we're not playing yeah because thank gosh I literally cannot take another L <laughs> I'm two and five we, we do need a standings update then since all right we can't so play do you want to do a standings update yes, right now yeah, standings. Yeah, absolutely. all right okay. love to do that right there you're two and five now say yeah. that again what are you two and five two and five okay, that is correct okay. um Wolf you're above 500 you're okay. four and three four and three yeah. okay it's not two and five it's four and three Luke you're six and one okay okay and no, no Rick so perfect is three and four all right. Okay, uh, three and four. Okay, so the show host rolling. 
So there's it. Well, yes. So now do we do we make picks for Sunday or are we just going to turn my that? microphone off at some point? <laughs> they look like they both reached for that button. Do we make picks for Sunday or do we just assume that they're probably at least both of them aren't going to play? And I don't we, think they're going to play. So we pick this back up in game one of the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't think okay. they're going to play. That's just a guess. Ron Wolfley guessing. All right. So the, the, those are the standings heading into the playoffs. Six and one, four. And now, should we eliminate uh, Rick and Aaron since they didn't make the playoffs at the sub 500? <laughs> I guess we can. Two and five isn't even in the plan. Maybe Jesse should be in the plan and then, or Rick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, well, in fairness yeah, to Aaron. Is, yeah, but Rick is below 500 as well. He's not in Rick's the plan. Rick's kind of the Mavericks right now. Okay. Mavericks. See how it worked oh, out? Yeah. Look at that. Oh, boy, that <laughs> oh wow. So good. Okay. So, so what you did. We'll carry this into the uh, the playoffs, but I I mean now tonight I would assume we're going to see campaign. I know I keep coming back to this, but man, if he's not going to play tonight, he's not going to play. If you're taking four players, your your four biggest players out of your lineup, this is almost like a bullpen game for basketball, yeah. right? Here's I mean, what's the Suns lineup now? If you take all four of those guys out of it. Your your rotation on however Monty wants to run it out there is Josh Akogi, Tory Craig, Ish Wainwright, Bismack Biombo, Jock Landale, Campaign, Landry Shamit, Terrence Ross, yeah. maybe Damian Lee, Darius Baisley. Oh yeah, yeah, Damian Lee. You got to throw him in there as well. Right now, is anybody for actually- me though? Can I just tell you that one of the most perplexing things that I saw last night was Campaign playing seven minutes in the first half and then playing zero minutes yeah. in the second. Uh, I I don't even know what to say about that basin earnings. I really don't. This, of course, coming off where he was sat down yeah. in a game, a game that mattered against the the Spurs. We talked about that. So this was really peculiar. To me, looking at campaign gets sat down in the second half. Uh, what are, are you? Are you managing his minutes? No. Is, is he? Are you worried about campaign and how much he's played? No, you're not worried about that at all. So why is this happening? Why is this continuing to happen where campaign gets an opportunity and then doesn't get an opportunity? Literally, from half to half. Aren't you? going to read way too much into tonight's starters because I am because now this is this is your bench that lineup I just read you every one of those guys is a role player now I'm not saying that some of those guys yeah. can't do more than one thing yeah. but they're all role players on this team every and, and and that's what Monty's gonna have to choose from tonight Josh Akogi Ish Wainwright Tory Craig Bismack Biombo Jock Landale Campaign Landry Shamit Terrence Ross Darius Baisley and Damian Lee that's his his roster for tonight's game if he's sitting those other four guys so Anybody who doesn't play tonight, I'm going to go ahead and put that in the negative category for them. Of we're probably not going to see them a whole lot at least wow. at the start of the playoffs. That's, no, that's right on. And anybody that starts tonight, I mean, if you're starting, I'm assuming that you're at least a, a big part of the rotation going forward. Yes, you you are on the radar of Monty Williams. Yeah. Um. You know, for me, once again, though, I have to say this. The two biggest things about the bench last night, I already talked about campaign and then just what what is going on with campaign? I, I'm sorry. This this is this is I don't want to say this because I don't know anything about it. I don't. OK, but based on my experience with coaches, players and coaches in the player coach relationship, I look at this and I just wonder, what is Monty doing? What what is he doing? 
he's trying to get his attention, obviously. So that means to me that he's had multiple conversations with whatever it is he's trying to get his attention about. Which means he's going to play tonight. Which means, yes, I would, he's going to play tonight, but how, what, does he, what does he do? How does he manage his minutes I tonight? would think he... What's the rotation look he, like? He plays a lot. Yes. I mean, first of all, if Chris Paul's not playing, campaign almost has to play. Like, if Chris Paul's not playing at all, if you're telling me Chris Paul in a game can only play 28 minutes because something happened, okay, well, Devin Booker can cover for him a little bit, and Kevin Durant can, there's different guys that can cover for him. But if you're going into the game and Chris Paul's not playing yeah. at all, yeah. doesn't campaign have to play? Yeah, you would think so. And you if you're know, sending a message, you don't want him to, you don't want to see how he reacts to that message in game one of the playoffs. Yeah, you know. I, I don't know. Ish Wainwright was another one that got my attention. Just playing three minutes in the game. I, I expected to see Ish Wainwright get more and more reps, more and more minutes going forward because I think he's going to be integral to the Suns and their bench play come postseason. So <laughs> that really was confusing as well. I, I don't know. These last two games... Might clear it up for us. This this game tonight is almost like a it's almost like a preseason game where it means a lot to the guys in the game because I think we're gonna start to sort out whatever hasn't already been sorted out by the coaching staff of who's gonna play in the playoffs outside of those big four. And you can you know, look, we all know Josh Kogi's gonna play, we know Tory Craig's gonna play in the playoffs, but beyond that I, I think there are still a lot of questions. How much is Damian Lee going to play? He didn't play at all last night. Is he even going to play in the playoffs? Is campaign much of an option? Uh, is it Terrence Ross or Landry Shamit? Like you said, is Ish Wainwright? Like who's, and, and again, I know that some of it's going to change based on the matchups, who you're playing in a playoff series, how that series is going, who's on the floor for that other team. I, I get all that, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of playoff games where Monty's rotating through 12 or 13 players. He, that's not typically a playoff rotation. So I think we're going to finally get some clues tonight and, and Sunday. You know, there there's an old coaching axiom, and it comes from John Wooden, if you can imagine that, based on audience. John Wooden, the legendary John Wooden, where he said um, the the most motivating force there is in the game of basketball is the bench. And, <laughs> you know, when I think of what I'm seeing with campaign, I, I'm sorry. But that's what I think of immediately is that old coaching axiom and John Wooden talking about using the bench as a motivator, especially when you've got campaign playing seven minutes in the first half and zero minutes in the second half of a game that was still contested. And you obviously wanted to win because you played Devin Booker 37 minutes. You played Chris Paul 37 minutes. You played Kevin Durant 41 minutes. Now, maybe that's why you're going to sit him down over the last two games. But, man, they played a lot longer than I ever thought they would. Well, and the other part of this is... Again, not knowing what they're doing on Sunday, but this is basically Monty Williams and the coaching staff saying we've we've got it, we've we've got the chemistry we want, you know, because there was all that talk of these guys need to play together a little bit, and this would seem to indicate no, they're good, we're ready, let's let's start up the playoffs. All right, uh, when we come back, we will get into football this time. That DeAndre Hopkins trade still has not happened. Why? Uh, former GM Steve Kime weighed in. We'll get you his thoughts next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Everybody was talking about this for a while, and then it just stopped, Wolf, but not because anything's actually happened. I think everybody just kind of was like, all right, we'll move on to something that's actually going on. But DeAndre Hopkins is still a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Gotten very quiet. We're into April now. We're well into the new uh, league year. Dan Orlovsky weighed in with this and said uh, he's not expecting that to change anytime in the next couple weeks either. After the draft, yeah. if you're a team going into the draft and you yeah. want a pretty big time playmaking wide receiver and you don't get one, you look to DeAndre Hopkins. If you're in the OBJ sweepstakes, you're in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. The reality is he's paid like a number one receiver, but unfortunately because of injuries the last two years, the production hasn't been there. He's got 96 catches in the last two years combined. The last time he had 96 in a season was 2017. So that's a real I'll throw a flyer team out there. Just if you are the Los Angeles Chargers and you sit there and go, we got a really good roster and we go into the draft and we want a receiver too and they don't, they're not there and they don't get them. I look at saying, well, and that's DeAndre Hopkins with Mike Williams and and Keenan, now we're talking about the ability to push the ball downfield. Hmm. Interesting. An interesting team right there, actually. That really hasn't been brought up very much. What? Why the do Chargers. you say that? The Chargers? Oh, I mean, they, they are a team that went all in last year. They just happened to be in that same division with the Chiefs. And everybody thought, hey, you're in the same division with the Broncos and the Raiders. How can you possibly survive? And those teams didn't end up being all that good. But if you're DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think you'd be upset to go play with Justin Herbert on a pretty good football team. And if you're the Chargers, I mean, if it really is that you have to give up a third-round pick, I don't understand why every contending team isn't trying to figure out a way to do this. I get that the, the contract complicates it, but any team that was in the playoffs last year or expects to be in the playoffs this year should at least be kicking the tires on it. Yeah. Um, Except maybe Cincinnati. Cincinnati set at receiver. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about what he said about DeAndre Hopkins right there. What's interesting about it is he, he's right. Um, the production numbers are down unless you look at it on a game-by-game basis. <laughs> He's still, you know, 717 yards in nine games is really, really good. That is really good to be actually approaching a 1,000 yards receiving when you played in nine games. You know, I mean, a couple more games, and he's over a thousand yards based on those averages. Well, yeah, and, and what quarterbacks were throwing to him last year, right? I mean, it, it, there was it, it's not. I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but it's not like he was just out there. It was not. It's not like it was him and Kyler every game. You know, there was sure. there was backups and third stringers in there, and I. Anybody that's going to make the argument, well, I don't want DeAndre Hopkins because you know he's he's washed and the production's good. You're wrong. Yeah, exactly. If you if you can't fit the money under the cap, fine. But DeAndre Hopkins will make your team better yes. instantly if you're a contender. And if you're not doing it because you're not sure he's still good, then you don't deserve to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> he is still a wide receiver one. Still, even now. What's interesting about him is there's not a lot of flash to DeAndre Hopkins. And everyone goes, what are you talking about? What, Wolf, what are you talking about? There's not a lot of flash to D-Hop. Well, the reason why I say that is, again, it's not like he's running a 4-3. 
Okay, it's not like he's Tyreek Hill. But it's not like he used to run a 4-3. He never ran exactly right. But this is a guy, all he does is produce for the most part. You've heard me say this many times, but it's part of it, Basinonians. It is. It's part of the reason. Not only do you have to go ahead and worry about the contract when you acquire D-Hop, but you also have to, to watch the tape and say, this guy, it's not like he runs great routes, yet he's always open. <laughs> It's not like he's a, a, a run-by wide receiver, yet he is a deep threat. It's not like he's good with the ball, like you're going to run a ton of wide receiver screens, yet for whatever reason, people miss D-Hop trying to tackle him. He's got yeah. that that weird vibe about him right now where he doesn't have all this great talent and ability Yet all he does when he's out there on the field is produce. And you got to remember, the last two years have been the exceptions to his career. Because to his career, he missed two games before coming here. Well, and the production that you pointed out last year, I think, is the, is the biggest thing. Because if you're if you're a prospective new team, you may look and say, well, yeah, the last two years are the exception with the injuries or missing games. But that's, that's what happens at this point in a guy's sure. career. Except his production hasn't dropped off at all. Here's Steve Kime from the Green Light Podcast uh, talking about why this trade is so complicated. Teams are going to have to be, number one, they're going to have to be creative. And I'm guessing the Cardinals are going to have to figure it out from the standpoint that a player of that magnitude, number one, I think he's 33 years old. Two, the, the contract. And you think to yourself, he's been hurt the last couple of years. Yeah. So they're probably going to have to come to understand that they're probably not going to get as much as they, they would if he was a younger player or his contract was was considerably lower. Yeah, that that is a thing right there. It is. It's I, one of the I things feel like that's what he told Houston when he was trying to get him away from Houston. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's old. It's one of the things you're going to have to accept. That it's you're not going to get equal value. I told you this a long time ago. You're not going to get equal value for D Hop. You're not even a second round pick. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not looking at that and thinking that's equal value for DeAndre Hopkins. It's not. And and at this point, I would take it. <laughs> you know what I right? mean? But it, it, but you're and right. I would agree with you. But it, I mean, if you take a step back and get real perspective, that's not enough. And it goes back to my earlier point. If you're a contender, you can't part with a late second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. You're going to wait and see who you get with the 60th pick in the draft. Exactly right. What are you doing? Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's one of the reasons why he's got to go to a contender. He's got to yeah. go to one of these teams that are like, why the Buffalo Bills? Brandon Bean, what are you doing? Posturing. What, what are you? He, that's exactly right. What are you doing, Brandon? Well, I'm just kind of, you know, right now we're, we're saying that wall is black and you say it's white. Prove that it isn't black. Um, whatever it is that's going on right now, I think it will shake out. Before the draft. Oh, you think it's before the draft? Okay. Before the draft. Here's uh, one more from Kime. May end up being a, you know, a second or third day draft pick. Yeah. To really get it done, yeah. and that, because that team is going to have to take it on and understand how they're going to be able to probably get a new deal done. Um, and I negotiated with Hop. Hop was his own agent. I can tell you that's not the easiest thing in the world. Between him and Larry Fitzgerald, that's the guys that put all this gray on my beard. <laughs> a random shot of Fitz who's just hanging out at the Masters right now. Augusta, it's so haughty, Larry. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but you know what? Honestly, that's what it is, too. You've got to look at it. But if you're a team, you don't want D-Hop to hit the open market. You don't You don't want that. And nobody's going to pick up his, his con. Nobody's going to pick him up off of waivers yeah. when the Cardinals cut him. Nobody's going to do that because of his contract. Um but you don't want him to be a free agent. Not if you're if you, a contending if you team. Think, yes, if you think that D-Hop is going to be a guy that you'd be interested in bringing on your team right now, it's it's not going to be a situation where you're going to be okay with that. I'm Buffalo, though. I mean, just going back to that. Like, DeAndre Hopkins, we don't want, why would we want him? Who is yes, that? What's the receiver? I know, I love it. Is there a forward pass? Is that it's even a so thing in the good. NFL? What's, it's what you do. Yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> forward pass. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, when we come back, who are some of the best players in the draft at those positions of need for the Cardinals? We'll go a little bit deeper into some actual names that would be there maybe if the Cardinals trade down or who knows if they get lucky early in the second round, too. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number three. Draft coverage. Live, local, late-breaking. We talked about this a little bit earlier, Wolf, but we're going to go more in depth into it now because a lot of the draft coverage on the Cardinals has been Will Anderson for good reason. Yeah. And ideally, that's what happens. They ideally, ideally just trade down to four, still get Will Anderson to add some picks. But there's a lot of talk that they may trade down past that if, if that's their only option. Uh, even if they do trade down to four, you're going to add picks. They have a pick high in the second round. There's There's a lot of different places in this draft the Cardinals could still end up picking. So we ran through some of the main positions of need earlier in the show. But now we can actually talk about some of those players. So let's do you want to start at receiver or corner? Let's go with corner. Okay. So corner, uh, I mean, the depth that you have there right now is what? Marco Wilson? Yeah. Uh, right, Antonio exactly. Hamilton, I yeah, guess. Antonio but Hamilton. Obviously a pretty big. Fenton as well. Yeah. Okay. So they they've got to, yeah they they've got some guys but yeah they need a corner. I think most people would admit going into the draft they need a corner. Before I start firing off some of these draft capsules, that almost feels like a position that they're definitely going to draft, doesn't it? Maybe even as high as the second round or or in the first if they trade down. Yeah, yeah, I think it all depends on who is there, of course. But, um, yeah, I would say corner is a position of need. Uh, here's some of the big ones that are out there. We've uh, we've we've played the Christian Gonzalez draft, draft profile. I'm going to play it again because he's pretty consistently the first corner off the board in these mock drafts. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. Gonzalez was as big of a winner as anyone at the NFL Combine. He posted a 4-3-8 40-yard dash, 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, and 11-foot, 1-inch broad jump that caught many eyes around the NFL. He's an explosive cornerback that made 12 starts in 2022 at Oregon, where he posted 50 tackles, 7 pass breakups, and a team-leading 4 interceptions, ultimately earning himself first-team all-packed 12 honors. At 6'1 and 197 pounds, Gonzalez has the desired size and athletic traits to match up against opposing teams' number one receivers. His technique will get away from him at times, but he has all the ingredients to become a true CB1 at the next level. NFL comp, former Cardinals cornerback Dominique Rogers-Cromartie. 
And in case you don't know the backstory, DRC. Maloney voiced one draft capsule. Yeah, I know. It was, it was the Oregon Duck. Yes. Out of the, like, I don't know, we have like 50 or 60. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because uh, there, there's a press, a press corner that I like even more than Christian Gonzalez in this draft. And it's Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. Joey Porter Jr. <laughs> like it just because you, you can remix Michael right Porter there. Jr. I love that right there. But Gonzalez, I think, is actually a better fit for what I think Nick Rollis, of course, and JG are going to do here. I think he's a better fit. I think there's going to be more zone that is going to be played. I, I could be dead wrong on this base on onions, but I think with Jonathan Gannon coming here, there could be more zone that is played here. Typically, Vance Joseph was a guy that loved his press and loved his man coverage. He loved doing that and used it often. But I think we're going to play a little bit more zone going forward. And I think that Christian Gonzalez is more apt at doing that, playing zone and man. All right, so but here's Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn State. If the name sounds familiar, don't check your ears. Son of former pro bowler Joey Porter, his son is one of the most physical cornerbacks in this year's draft. Porter Jr. vaulted himself up with the top defenders in the country his last collegiate season, earning second-team AP All-American and first-team All-Big Ten by using his frame worthy of shutting down big physical receivers. He also used his strength to make receivers reroute and breaking up would-be catches. However, his lack of top speed and quick twitch reactions are part of his game that needs work. NFL comparison, Lions cornerback Amani Oruorie. Okay, so right there, uh, first of all, I'm a big believer in bloodlines. <laughs> are you? Okay, yes, I am. Okay. All right. Yes, I am. Joey Porter so, Sr., very physical player. Yeah, Joey Porter, great player, of course. Joey Porter Jr., I think, is the best press corner in the draft. A guy that can walk up and put his hands on a wide receiver, jam him at the line of scrimmage, and do a good job being physical. He's 6'2", 198 pounds. That is a big corner right there. That is really, really big. It's one of the things that a lot of teams like about him. But he also is very physical. He's a good, he's an excellent tackler for a corner. And you typically don't get that in a corner, but he is. These are guys. Porter, Porter's the one. Like Christian Gonzalez looks like he's almost everywhere projected as a top 10, you know, maybe 11 or 12 pick. So that's probably only a guy that you're getting. If you trade out of three um, to somebody that's also picking there, Devon Weatherspoon's another one that's kind of in that range. I'm looking at Lance Zerline's mock, and we're going to have Lance Zerline on in the show later, by the way. Uh, but he has Devon Weatherspoon as the first corner off the board. Porter's at least the one that, depending where you look, maybe some some of these mocks have him going a little bit later in the first yeah. round. Um, let's flip over to receiver here while we still have some time. Do you think they address receiver? In the draft, because because to me, looking at the ESPN piece earlier, yeah, it is it is a position of need. I kind of thought they would just address that through free agency, and, and they didn't. So, I mean, if you really do trade DeAndre Hopkins, you you are going to need a receiver. 
So maybe they do address it during the draft at some point. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to wonder what is going on there. But uh, I will say this right now: uh, I think that they feel really, really good about Zach Pascal. I think number honestly, zero. Yeah, I think they they feel like there's a guy that will get reps. But I also think Rondell Moore has got to take on a lot more. No pun intended. He's got to take on a lot more responsibility going. Forward and because of that, I think the combination. I think the starters once D Hop gets moved. Um, I think the starters are going to be Marquise Brown, of course, Hollywood, and Rondell Moore. Um, I think they are going to draft a wide receiver, but I, I see it more as a day three, day two, somewhere in there. Um, you know, in wide receivers, you got to remember this right now. When they come into the NFL as a rookie, they don't make a big splash. The Jamar Chases of the world are far and few between when it comes to wide receivers coming into the NFL and making a splash. Yeah, no, that's uh, 100% spot on. I, I guess why I would think the Cardinals, why you could talk me into them drafting one in this whole exercise is definitely, I still want Will Anderson. But this exercise highlights why there's value in trading the pick for a bunch of picks because they could use guys at all these positions, yeah, right? right. Because if you're looking at receiver, Hollywood's only signed for this year. Rondale Moore is signed for two more years, but we don't know what this coaching staff necessarily thinks about him, and we also don't know if he can stay on the field. I, I really like Rondale Moore. He's got to stay on the field, yeah. especially if he's going to be your number two receiver. And Zach Paschal, we know that Jonathan Gannon likes him, but it's not like he's been like some amazingly productive receiver, so he's got some questions too, but he's only signed for two more years. right? So at some point, you're going to have to get one of these guys. Now, I don't think they're going to get Jackson Smith and Jeebo or Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnston because it doesn't make any sense for them to take a receiver in the first round, but those are the two main guys, so I'm going to play one of those right now. Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver, Ohio State. The Buckeyes set the Big Ten receiving record as a sophomore in 2021, but only played three games last season due to a hamstring injury. During his record-setting season, scouts took notice of his ability as a crisp route runner, his body control, and his lateral quickness. In fact, former Carolina Panthers star Steve Smith says Njigba has a Ph.D., in route running. Scouts believe he can be a productive NFL starter, but they just don't have enough game tape to get a complete sense of his potential. NFL comp free agent receiver Jarvis Landry. Ooh, Jarvis Landry. Okay, I like that a lot right there. Yeah, um, for me right now, my favorite is Zay Flowers. All right, I got that too. Oh, good. Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Boston College. Undersized at just five foot nine and 182 pounds with shorter arms and smaller hands, Flowers has an easy speed and a quick twitch to create separation from defenders. He's also a great route runner who's trained multiple off-seasons with Antonio Brown. He may not be the biggest prospect, but is one of the most athletic. NFL comp, former Browns wide receiver Travis Benjamin. I'll be honest, Wolf, I felt a lot better about Zay Flowers before I heard Jarrett Carlin's scouting report on him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he should not be his agent. Greg Brady. <laughs> you know, honestly, he's a slot guy. That's what he is to me. He's a slot guy. And I know everyone can say, hey, you already got a short receiver in Hollywood Brown. Hollywood, to me, is an outside receiver. He is. And it's because of his speed. Well, you can say Rondell Moore, because too. Because he can just absolutely run by. And I think Rondell Moore needs to do that. They need to put him out there and demand that he actually 
actually runs by somebody. Use that speed, that great speed that Rondell Moore has. Use that speed as opposed to trying to just get a wide receiver screen going with him. Yeah. So are you saying Zay Flowers is your favorite receiver in this draft, or do you think he'd be a good fit for the Cardinals? No, I think he'd be a good fit for the Arizona Cardinals and what they're going to do by moving him into the slot. You need one of those guys who is more of a possession receiver, yet he's got some serious speed. I'll just say for the record, I want Quentin Johnston, but there's no way they're getting him. And for anybody that doesn't know who that is, right off the top of your head, he was the big dude on TCU that just (laughs) dragged them through that uh, first round of the college football playoff. And the wide receiver position in this draft is not very deep. It just isn't. It it isn't. And and this circles back to the DeAndre Hopkins thing from the cut we played earlier with Dan Orlovsky. There are probably teams expecting they're going to get one of those three guys that we just mentioned that aren't going to get him, and then they're going to be a little more desperate for DeAndre Hopkins. All right. When we come back, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.